Hello and welcome to The Social Recruiting Show. I'm Katrina Collier. I'm, of course, the author of The Robot Proof Recruiter, which I do not show enough, and a facilitator and a speaker. I'm, of course, joined by my gorgeous... I'm not sure he's so talented this week. He might be hungover, talented, talented, <laughs> professional co-host, Mr. Glenn Martin. Hello, Glenn. Hola. Hola. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and we're super excited to be speaking to a, well, a former talented, talented acquisition professional, but a VP of People and Culture, Madison Butler. Welcome to the Social Recruiting Show. Welcome, Hi. Welcome. Welcome. I, almost said, I almost said good morning, but it's not You morning. can say good morning. <laughs> it is good morning where you are. It's good afternoon. It is great. We actually don't know where it is. Ben has no idea what time the date is. Um, we, of course, would not be here at all if it wasn't for our fabulous sponsor, Enterprise Alumni. So thank you for keeping us running for another week. Thankfully, Glenn knows where his hand is. Welcome to the show, Madison. We're super Welcome. excited to have you here today. It's cool to be catching up with Madison again, though, right? Because last mm. time was in London. Um, First she came ever over to speaking Asia. engagement in London. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Most people would probably stick to their own country um, for a first speaking gig, but not you, Madison. Uh, and you brought your mum as well, and she's super sweet. It was great her to meet her. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, welcome to the show. Welcome, Thanks. welcome. What's been, what's been going on since then? Lots. Yeah. A <laughs> um, lot of staying in my house, and all of my days feel exactly the same as the day before. Grand old um, day. But it's hot. It's really hot here. Really like, hot. And we made you get up really early, which is a bit cruel. <laughs> yes. It's not quite hot yet. So, like, for us, I feel like the hottest part of the day is actually, like, 3 o'clock, and that's when it's, like, 105, 106. That's unbelievable. Mm. I'd, I'd be genuinely melting in that heat. Um, but having been to Austin myself, as I said before, it's such a lovely place. You know, I'd, mm. I'd probably uh, I'd power through. Anyway, I'm digressing, really, aren't I? Because I should be you asking are. Madison was... our, our opening question, which is, and as you said, right, you're very much focused in the world of kind of kind of culture and well-being, etc., Madison. But how did you how did you get into, should we say, more broadly, the world of kind of people uh, and kind of recruitment? Um, I fell into it, <laughs> um, like super on accident. Um, I actually, when I was in my earlier twenties, I dated a, uh, terrible person. And so I actually lived in Texas with him <laughs> and, um, I literally packed all my stuff in the middle of the night, like my dogs and mm. escaped in the middle of the night. And when I got back, my mom's friend was like, Hey, I have a job if you want to try recruiting. And I was like, okay, I need a job. Um, so here we are now. Well, but you obviously you, love it if you're still vaguely yeah. in the space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, I think people go into kind of recruitment, they think, they, they think about the mechanisms of recruitment, but actually recruitment is about people, right? It's about kind of making that connection with people, building relationships and, and kind of helping them further their careers. So, yeah, I you know, I think, it will, well, certainly I was guilty of kind of falling into recruitment i think pretty much everybody each guest that we've interviewed bar two except two two, have said exactly the same thing i kind of fell into recruitment so yeah it's it's a common story how does it differ now with what you're doing there because you've gone into a more culture and people role Mm. so how does that differ from recruitment for sure so i actually still um do quite a bit of recruitment on my fte side um, but like my, the majority of my day is really focused around people development, professional development, mm. making sure that the people that work for us are happy, thriving, feel like they're safe, 
all of the stuff that, you know, is really important to, you know, retention and making sure that you can maintain a happy team for a good amount of time. Is that where the, because obviously our show topic, which I'm quite excited to get into, um, where we are talking about Black Lives Matter, two months on, has anything changed? I thought medicine was about to drop off. Yeah, she she froze there for a bit. I was like, "Wow, I was that's just a long, check on... long, long stare." <laughs> we could hear her. I was like, "I'm going to just check on uh, LinkedIn to see if she's disappeared." Hopefully, she'll <laughs> reappear in a minute. She will um, reappear. Pop aw, up the show. I'm Amy oh, yeah. I know. Hey, so Amy. Are we, Amy. Hi, Courtney. Sorry, we've lost Madison for a second. I can't see yeah. her at all. Hopefully, really? she's not panicking. Oh, I should actually yeah. just. She'll be reconnecting. Yeah. She'll be reconnecting. Sure. But She's yeah, early. It's early. It's probably the heat. It's probably melted mm. the line. And I think we just uh, received a message. Um, StreamYard froze. So I guess she's rebooting. Um, yeah. Did you get so, that link? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did indeed. So whilst um, maybe Madison's rebooting, maybe it, it presents a, a bit of an opportunity uh, for me to plug my latest project with your yes. mentee, Emma. Yes. Emma Fivogel and Radical. Yeah. So I joined Emma alongside uh, Lee Rag Thomas as part of a project team for what we're calling Radical Futures. So we're we're partnering with St. Mungo's team uh, to effectively get, uh, at this stage, um, 100 individuals that have experienced homelessness uh, into employment. So we started this week. It's super exciting. We had our first registration day on Wednesday, and we met uh, just uh, uh, 20 of the individuals we've been working with. Really Mm -hmm. energetic, really, I mean, real human stories here, right? Individuals that have kind of, for the the best intentions, have kind of come to the UK as well to try and find work. And for whatsoever Mm. reason, things have transpired and they've, They've kind of encountered homelessness, and now some mm. goes have, have kind of housed them in a short-term accommodation. And these individuals just want to work, right? They've, and you they've have got a history days, of work, right? We have a hundred days. We have a hundred days, and I think it's um, uh, whenever you start a project like this, right? You, mm. you, you kind of the intention is is clear. You understand the social impact, but it really is down to the success is is born out of the individuals and how much they want this. So. Yeah. Um, I'm confident we can deliver that. But yeah, um, yeah. Madison's back. Yay. But <laughs> if you want to help with this project, we do yes. need people to hire these fantastic 100 people. We do people. indeed. So get in touch with Glenn if you're looking to do something great for your CSI, etc. Madison, yeah, welcome no. back. Welcome back. Sometimes Adam. it just takes refreshing and coming back. We don't usually yeah. often lose guests, but it is. it really does use the Wi-Fi. So don't it's stress too much. Can you hear us okay? Yes, I'm going to put you on my yeah. headphones and disconnected when I... Okay, you just need to uh, push your screen again so you drop down a bit. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, so we were just about to launch into our fantastic conversation. So yeah. Black Lives Matter, two months on, has anything changed? Um, I have been watching Madison, as I'm sure many of you have, who's mm. been so incredibly active on LinkedIn, writing lots of comments, getting lots of conversations mm. going. So we'd really love to hear your thoughts. You do really need to drop down. We can't see you. Out of the way. There you hey, go. There she is. Okay. okay. <laughs> I can see your face. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, I'm in back. Your, so, so it, this happens it's, every time I use StreamYard, by the way. 
unbelievable. It's really, it's really taxing on the Wi-Fi, on the internet. Mm. So really yeah. draws down. Yeah, but yeah and as Katrina was saying, and I'm not. Yeah, Katrina was saying. I mean, look, Madison. For anybody that follows you on kind of LinkedIn, they they know where you're coming from. Um, I think they have a sense of your your kind of passion, your thoughts and opinions around kind of BLM and what's working and and possibly what not working um, and how you're very open to a frank conversation with anybody, right? You're, mm -hmm. you're, not, you're not there sort of trying to be in an echo chamber. You will have a conversation with anybody as long as they're prepared to properly debate, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it'd be, it'd be cool to, to kind of get your thoughts on the last two months. What do, what do you think has yeah. changed? Has anything changed in your opinion? No. Um I can still get murdered in my bed and not have the person who did it arrested. So as long as I feel like that's a thing, I don't feel like much has changed. Um, I think, you know, every couple of years we have this like catalyst that then becomes a hashtag, but then it stops trending. And so mm -hmm. then it's like, you repeat the same cycle every couple of years, you start having these DEI conversations and it's just like this repetitive cycle of conversation, but not actually change. Mm -hmm. And it's great to talk about it, but if I can still get murdered in my bed, then talking about it probably wasn't enough. Hmm. So on that wow. point, what, okay. do you, what do you think needs to be in place to actually have meaningful change? Because if this is this cycle of conversation and people kind of getting behind a, a cause or a particular moment, but actually nothing changes, what are the mechanisms, in your opinion, that need to be in place to actually ensure meaningful change? Well, so I focus a lot on, you know, the corporate space. And I think a lot of the corporate space is a lot of using black trauma for PR push um, because it makes your customers feel warm and fuzzy and like your brand is great. But if you're not can you creating- private, Can you explain a little bit what you mean by that? Yeah. So with George Floyd, all of these companies came out with a black square on Instagram and statements mm -hmm. about Black Lives Matter. But if you go and ask their black employees, do they feel like they matter within that organization? And their answer is no. Then like, did your hashtag mean anything? Did your little black square mean anything? Okay. Um, mm. If your employees still feel more scared to say that so-and-so is a racist versus like so-and-so being scared to be a racist, then I don't think your hashtag meant anything. Mm. Um, and so like, in our organizations, like we have to be willing to put processes and codes of conduct in place that allow us to maintain a safe space and be to fight racist and fight their homophobes. And like, mm. I'm not, the one thing I'm not gonna do is teach people how to be good people. I'm not going mm. to teach you how to not to be a racist. If you haven't managed to figure that out in your adult life, it's not my job to teach you how to like value my, yeah. my existence. And so I think we have to be more willing to get rid of the toxic people within our organizations, um, mm. despite them being high performers or being the CMO or whatever it is, because at the end of the day, you are harming your entire population. Mm. And that, because it's a perfect segue, let's just <clears throat> clear something up because you and I were chatting about this before. You didn't actually get anybody fired. All you said, right, was in your words, actually you tell me your words about if people write racist comments on the on LinkedIn, remind me what you said before we came on. The internet is forever. And so if you write racist things on the internet and you get fired, you got yourself fired. No one else yeah. got you fired. I'm mm. just here to let you know that the internet is forever. Mm. Mm. And, and you are perfectly within your rights to forward that to the company. And I feel if a comment like that is written on LinkedIn, 
when you are very clearly representing your company, whoever you are, you're getting a just dessert. So I think you have every right to what you want with it. I actually typically never forward stuff, but I always tell people like your entire organization can see this because it's like yeah. on your profile. Like yeah. you're like, what you type is literally on your profile. Like, and so yeah. you're saying all these wild racist things to me, like, come on, everyone can see it. I can see it. I yeah. mean, I do, I do, I do bring it to Twitter. Um, I uh, had a real, depending on how egregious it is. Um, I did get called like a, long list of swear words last week and the company had an, an Austin number and I was like, oh, well, I feel like it's my duty to make sure that like we keep Austin weird and nice. Yeah. Um, but some of the things I get are just like super wild, super, super wild. Can, um, can you can you just kind of maybe illustrate um, or kind of give us an example of, of why you think you get such extreme reactions from people? Because I've read your posts. I've I've read your commentary, and and actually, it's it's fact based, or you know, th- there is a, an opinion there. It's not wild, you know, kind of claims or anything along those lines. It's genuinely balanced. So, why do you think you get such extreme reactions to that? I, I find that, apart from some people being clearly unhinged, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of it's 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 it just kind of baffles me. Hmm. Well, so I think part of it is one, I'm a black woman. And so for whatever reason, when people read things that I write, they read it in an angry tone. And like, I'm probably one of the least angry people I know. Um, I'm genuinely pretty chipper. um, And so they assume I'm like attacking them, which like, if you feel attacked by me, like calling out racism, then you probably have some stuff to unpack. Mm -hmm. Um, Racism shouldn't be offensive if you're not a racist. Um, so I think, and, and so people would rather feel attacked than unpack their BS because mm-hmm. it's hard. It is super hard to like realize, oh, the things I believe for the last 30 years are wrong. Um, I would rather attack this random person on the internet and tell them that they're unemployable and that they're ugly and that they're gay and like all this stuff that I'm like, awesome. You called me unemployed, but I'm employed. Um, mm-hmm. and so and then you get wrapped up in this like whole all lives matter, black lives matter thing. And it's like reading comprehension is in- incredibly important, but like for you to read black lives matter and think that I said your life doesn't matter is confusing to me. I just want to survive a traffic stop. That's it. I'm not saying that I would like to matter more than you. I'm just saying I would like to survive. That's it. I found that the most the hardest thing to get my head around. And and for anyone who dares to say that white people don't have privilege, oh my God. Like I yeah. am near the biggest police station in the whole of Europe. And I see cops on my road every single day, like at least four or five times a day. And I have never once felt scared. And, and hearing this beautiful black man saying, I can walk around my neighborhood as long as I have my child and my dog with me, but I can't walk on my own. And yeah. I'm, I'm like, I, I just couldn't breathe. Like, and I know that I'm not saying that to get onto that statement. Obviously that's so important, but that I just, I couldn't understand how that would feel. And I think mm-hmm. it's so wrong that that's how you genuinely feel that mm-hmm. I could well, be killed in my bed or pulled up. I, I, nobody should live like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's interesting to me. Um, so I, like I said, I moved to not really the suburbs. I'm really out in the middle of nowhere, but like, I think I have like eight neighbors who are cops. 
and we're looking for someone to train our dogs. And we noticed that there was a dog trainer at the end of the street, also a cop's house. Um, my partner is a white guy and he was like, oh, like, let's just go talk to them. And I was like, I don't really want to do that. I was like, can't you just go without me? And of course he was like, no, let's go together. And the guy made a comment to me and was like, oh, did you live in Austin before this? And I was like, yes. And he was like, it's really different here. You'll see what I mean. And Spencer was like, oh, he just means it's like a resort town. And I was like, that is not what that man meant. That is not what he meant. (laughs) And so it's like, it's wild to me. And so like, this is probably like TMI and you'll learn about a lot about me. I'm in a poly relationship. I have two partners. My other partner is a black woman. And it's like, we're treated very differently when we go out comparatively to like me and my white male partner. Um, Or even when we go out, the three of us, it's like people like look to him for everything, especially with the house. And I'm like, it's my house. I bought the house. It's mine. Fine. And we're just, I mean, we're treated so differently just like based on, you know, how different we look. Can I just say, um, I've just been, somebody said here, I'm so happy you were able to get Madison on the call, but I can't get my stupid LinkedIn app to show me who this is. I'm so sorry. Let me check. She is nice to see her live. I just can't get it to show. The comments won't show. Um, I think that says so much about them, Madison. It says so much about, no, I can't even get it to hide. Um, People that they lack so much self-worth and so much self-love that instead they have to project it onto you because you're different and you're happy to walk your talk and be who you are and, you know, just not care. And I just think other people can't handle that when they're so lacking. And I almost feel like your president is just aggravating all of that self-hate. And all oh, yeah, of the, sure. Sorry. Uh, you know, Boris is doing the same thing, let's be honest. It, it's There's so much of that going on in the world that we're just, well, it's acceptable to be, but it's not. Well, and I think there's, like, this weird stigma. People, like, hate carefree black girls. Like, people hate us. They hate when, like, I could give a damn. Like, I do not care if you don't like my hair or you think I'm ugly or, like, whatever. I don't care. I do not care. And people hate that. They, like, want me to, like, feel bad. But they don't like me. Yeah. 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 They want want a reaction, basically. Yeah, and, I mean, even even on LinkedIn, like, when I get all of these hateful comments, like, my – my strategy is like, leave a snarky comment and exit the chat. Like, I need you to know I don't care, but I'm not going to engage because I don't owe you the emotional energy of an argument if you're not willing to actually listen. I'm happy to chat with anyone who wants a clearer perspective or just wants to understand more. But what I'm not going to do is like, let you berate me comment after comment and be like, no, 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 I'm not ugly. No, 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 I am employed. Like, I don't care if you think I'm ugly and unemployed. I'm good. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, sorry. Oh, my mouse isn't working either. So we're doing well today. Um, I don't actually know what this is. So this could be quite interesting. What is your take on mm-hmm. the recent Goodyear dress code controversy? Controversy. I can't even speak. These two are rubbing <laughs> off on me. Morning and hungover. Oh, you don't, don't know. know there you go. No. And Debbie, what are you doing to us? <laughs> yeah. Throwing us a curveball there, Debbie. Tracy Parsons watching racists out themselves in medicine posts my favorite reality show this year. Tracy, I love you. It's so funny. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I know. And someone, again, I don't know who this is. You said it, Katrina, the root problem has mm. surfaced from the jets. I'm so sorry, whoever this is. It's not, it's Usually so, it will show, and I can't get I'm, it to I'm, show. I'm kind of intrigued, Madison, to know whether you've, you've entered into a conversation with somebody who's clearly in kind of a, a – a, a kind of an attack, an attack mode and you've managed to not talk them round, but actually end up having a, a kind of meaningful 
conversation where they perhaps even acknowledged or, or kind of felt educated through that conversation? Has that happened at all or is that just not? Oh, that has. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think so. I think the one I get the most often is I will get people who will message me who will say that they never understood and that mm. my content has taught them a lot over the course of time and that they really changed the way they feel about things. But recently I had a conversation with someone over the phone that um, someone connected me with and they were like, hey, they're okay. just really struggling with the idea of BLM. Could you chat with them? And so mm -hmm. this person was like from the Midwest and obviously like you don't know what you don't know. Um, yeah. I, I fully acknowledge like if you grew up in the South around like a bunch of, you know, racist, like chances are you coming out a racist is pretty high. Um, mm -hmm. And he and I had like a good hour long chat and he was just like, I'm just trying to figure out a way to like teach my children to be better. And that was really important mm -hmm. to me is like, that's all we can ask people to do is like yeah. to be better and like acknowledge that this is a journey. It's not like a destination. You're never going to be perfect. You're going to still mess up. But like mm -hmm. being willing to learn is the biggest piece of this and being able to be self-aware enough to say, hey, I've thought about this wrong. I've hurt people, I think is really important. Mm -hmm. And they actually messaged me this morning and they were like, hey, I had something happen at work. Would you be willing to chat with me next week? And like for me, that's a, of course. Because yeah. you had a conversation with me, you were never aggressive. And although we didn't agree on everything, you were willing to listen to my side of things um, to just try and get a better understanding for yourself. Hmm. I think where I I've also found the learning is that like the microaggressions as well. Do you, can you explain that for some that probably won't understand what I mean? Yeah, so microaggressions are typically things that you say or do kind of unconsciously without realizing that they're harmful. Um, mm -hmm. And so the thing, you know, I always say about microaggressions is like the, the word is wording is wrong because they're not micro. Mm -hmm. They are like fractures in a larger wound and they're harmful mm -hmm. and they're trauma. Um, but you don't necessarily realize that you're doing them. So I think, you know, mm -hmm. one of the ones I get a lot um, is, oh my God, I'm, I'm so surprised by how well-spoken you are. <gasps> oh, like people think people think it's a compliment. They totally think it's a compliment. But like at the same time, oh. would you would you meet a white guy and be like, "Wow, you can speak English. That's so cool of you to be able to speak in full sentences." Wow. Um, and so people think they are complimenting you, but in their brain, stereotypical black woman isn't well spoken when that's just mm. not the case. <laughs> um, so I think oh my that. God. I, I, and you get it a lot. Like I had um, someone I worked with a couple of years ago. They were like, wow. And he had avoided me like oh. the whole time he worked with me until this moment where I had to speak in front of the organization. And he was like, wow, like, where did you go to college? Like, you're just so well-spoken. And I was like, well, yeah, I have a bachelor's degree in English. So yeah, I paid a lot yeah. of money for that. <laughs> What's that's, going on? that's crazy, right? That's absolutely uh. crazy. Sorry, oh, yeah, I, yeah. you know, a tech issue. <laughs> no, no, I think as like a black woman, like the other thing that gets talked about a lot that's also microaggression is like people talking about our hair. Um, and I mean, to the point of like in corporate America, most black women feel at some point in their career that their hair has to be straight in order to be employable, which for me Whoa. just seems wild that somehow the hair that grows out of my head, the way it grows out is unprofessional. Which, like, obviously my hair is blue. It didn't grow out this way. But the rest of it's real. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, I, I, I have blue hair. It's about as natural as my purple. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, I can't imagine not having blue hair. So I feel like it's natural. Um, I but I mean, for, for the it, first... I, I tell you, though, 
just just on that, and I, I know you're not meant to make comparisons, but when I decided to go purple, I did have a lot of thought about whether I should go purple. Will I be taken seriously? And then I just went, yep. stop it. I'm never going to do it. If I don't do it now, I'm getting on. I'm going to do it now. <laughs> but yep. that's I, the whole curly straight is different altogether. Like, mm. oh, my God. Yes. And I mean, it even comes down to texture. So like I have a more acceptable texture because I'm more of a 3A, 3B, where like 4C hair is deemed as really unprofessional and dirty and like all of these things. And it's like, that's just like how people's hair is grown out of their head. 4C hair is beautiful, but just because you okay. don't understand it does not mean you should ask people like, how do you know? I don't, I don't understand <laughs> that. So what does that mean? Is that more of like the, the really tight curls? Yeah, so like I have, more, I have more of a looser curl pattern. Um, <sighs> it kind of just does whatever it does. Um, but no. like 4C hair is a much tighter curl pattern. Um, mm. And so typically like, for example, there's a company here um, in Texas called Cons and they're kind of like in a big yeah. company. But like in their yeah. dress code, it says you can't wear braids. We've which, lost him. We've, we've lost Glenn. <laughs> we've um, lost Glenn. Glenn's hungover. It doesn't matter. We'll keep going. <laughs> braids, <laughs> come back. braids are braids are a protective hairstyle so to say right. you can't have braids in your dress code is inherently just saying black women can't wear braids to protect their hair which oh, is crazy to me insane it's insane um okay hang on sorry oh oh i can't get my i haven't actually read this comment sorry i'm gonna read it out loud and hope it's okay how do you find navigating your outspokenness in the workplace with blm to get things done you say a lot that most in the workplace shy away from as a bang female myself that's actually um, a really cool question. Seriously. So I have been pretty outspoken um, for the last couple of years, and <laughs> I am very, very open about that um, when I interview at companies. Yeah. Um, as as a black woman, I'm very clear. Like my outside of my my regular role and inside my regular role, like I'm always going to be motivated to create equitable spaces for black women. I'm always going to be looking to create spaces for queer black women. I'm always going to be looking for, to make space for black trans women. Like I, that's just who I am as a person. Yeah. Um, and I'm always going to speak out about what we go through on a daily basis. And so I'm very open about that in interviews. So that way they're not like blindsided when they see a Black Lives Matter post. Um, I have a really love, awesome CEO. He really, really backs my value set. And that's been really mm. important to me. And I think something I've had to learn in my career is like to be really happy at a company. I need to be at a company that also values me as a person. And that means valuing me as a black queer, queer woman. Mm. I think that's something as Glenn and I being like, like the next generation of that we haven't necessarily had that ability to take your whole self to work. And I love that you're creating that. Mm. Like you're asking for that. You're saying, this is who I am. Are you okay to hire me as I am? I'm going to bring myself to work. I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, this is a fair question because she's currently doing it for us. Um, do you mm -hmm. ever get tired of having to be in that educator space, especially when it comes to explaining white privilege to white people that chose not to understand? You absolutely asked that properly. Yeah, um, for sure. And anyone who says there isn't white privilege, you and I need to have a chat. <laughs> right. <laughs> Seriously, I'll take anyone on with that. <laughs> Sorry. But do you get sick of that educator role? Um, well, your girl is tired. I am tired. Um, and not just because it's early. But <laughs> yeah, we got her enough coffee yet. We got her out of bed at an hour earlier than normal. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also recognize that like I have a decent amount of privilege myself to be able to speak out about the things I speak yeah. about. And so 
I know how incredibly important that is for people who are looking to learn, but other black women to know that their voice is also heard, even mm -hmm. if they don't get to say things themselves. And that's always been extremely important to me is yeah. to be able to help other people's viewpoints be heard because I have that platform and I have the ability to do so without fear of you know, repercussion for my job mm -hmm. or what have you is going on. Um, so yes, I get tired, but I know what I'm doing matters. Yeah, and then, like cool. you were saying earlier, things are changing. Do you feel a lot of this is because of your upbringing? Because obviously, Glenn and I met your mum at Disrupt, so we're a little bit biased. We know she's sad, but <laughs> is that some of it that you you have that freedom to be yourself? Or um, so I think it actually honestly goes back to that like relationship where I said I dated a bad person. I dated a really bad person, and so like our breakup made Buzzfeed level of bad person. Um, and oh. so yeah. Oh. And so when I was with them, they like really, one, he was like a super racist, but he really tried to turn me into someone I'm not. And so when I got out of that, I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to set these boundaries where like I am who I am all the time. And then mm -hmm. a couple of years later, I had this experience where I interviewed for a company and they were like, wow, we love you. You're so great. But we need you to change your hair, wear a skirt, cover your tattoos, like wear heels. And I was like, that's a lot. And I kind of had this like realization, like if I'm accept expected to set boundaries in my personal relationships, I should also be expected to set boundaries with my work because that's also a relationship. And I don't mm -hmm. want to work for a company that values the money I can make them, but not the person I actually am when I'm not there. Mm. 100%. I, I'm kind of interested actually just to, well, I was just interested to come back to that piece around kind of how, Traditionally, people in the work, you know, HR perhaps in, uh, uh, deal with kind of racism in the workplace. Do you think that perhaps it's not taken as seriously as it should be? Because I think it's kind of, I, I kind of almost get the impression that some, in certain businesses, they almost want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Oh, it, that individual didn't mean to say it in that way. It wasn't meant like that you know, he or she, they're a really good person. So I'm sure it wasn't meant to come across in that in that way. So it's almost this apologetic approach first before any direct action. It's almost as, as if you get, you get one chance to be super racist and then if you do it again, then we'll pick up on it. You, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Do you, do you think it's taken as seriously? Do you think direct action is taken as quickly as it should be? And if, you know, because ultimately... I think we'd be talking very differently about workplaces now, wouldn't we? You know, if that first comment, well, I don't care whether it's kind of, you know, miscommunicated. You need to think about what you say in the workplace before you say it. That's your responsibility. Mm. Similar as that. Sorry, I was about to go on a rant there. That's okay. That was, Wait, you? That was... <laughs> yeah. Um, he gets this actually... look from me when I'm like, stop, 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 let us be. <laughs> yeah. He just got the look. He knows he got the look. <laughs> Um, that's actually what my content was about yesterday was like, mm. when people tell you their experiences, you don't get to tell them that their experience wasn't their experience. Yeah. And so I think sometimes you have this thing where you're like, oh, so-and-so said this racist thing to me. And then someone will say back to you, well, I didn't have that experience. Well, yes, you're a white man. Of course you didn't have that experience. Mm. Um, and so we don't get to decide like what is someone else's trauma. And so that means mm -hmm. when these things are being reported and they're being said, like they need to be looked into. I don't care if it was something as micro as like, how do you wash your hair? Like you need to let people know, like we can't say these things. We don't ask these things. Mm -hmm. 
stop telling people like you're surprised by how well-spoken they are. Um, and so I'm a really big believer in like accountability. <laughs> um, we have to hold people accountable for the things that they say. And we also have to hold ourselves accountable for like our employees' safety and their psychological safety. You know, I say this a lot, like when we go to work, like if you're working at a big organization, you're working for someone else's dream. And so you should be afforded the right to feel safe while you're doing so. Definitely. It's funny because like, just like randomly thinking through, has anyone actually said to you, Glenn, how do you wash your bed? Like it was, it's insanely out of control. I imagine you have had it trimmed. Like, but you wouldn't, right? So why do people think that it's acceptable? Ugh. Anyway, sorry, ignore me. Just, ugh. You just, it, I just get so wound up on your behalf. Um, Elizabeth Sandler, thank you. Clearly you came to disrupt. We will have one again eventually, if you saw my email yesterday. Um, <laughs> Love Madison's presentation at March's Disrupt HR London. And great to hear from her again. Question, I feel companies are focusing their efforts on internal diversity and inclusion, which is a plus, but not on tackling racism in their products, services, and core businesses. Would love mm. your thoughts on that. Good question. Mm. Do you witness the same stuff? For sure. And so I think so, um, you know, in, in my free time, I do. Uh, some VIP do you have any free time? Your LinkedIn posts are your free time. <laughs> um, so in my free time, I, I do some DEI consulting and I, I look at it very differently than I think a lot of organizations look at it where they throw everyone in a room. They do kind of a core presentation and like go about your day. But at the end of the day, like every team needs to have a different lens, which means your engineers who are building your product need to have a lens that makes sense for your customers, which means they need to be building a product that's inherently anti-racist, which means you need to really be focused on like what your algorithms look like, your algorithm bias, mm -hmm. where like mm -hmm. your HR team and your people team need to have a different lens because they're hiring people. So how do you hire people and remain anti-racist? And so when I think about DI, I think about it as like almost like pods and lenses. So like every team mm -hmm. needs to fit in a pod and each one has to have a different lens in order for your company to be fully anti-racist and actually inclusive it's not we all sit in a room and watch a powerpoint and we fixed everything that's not reality yeah because there needs to be that want to change as well um just uh no i've lost my mouth she's gone where's it gone don't you love it when it just disappears i wanted to show this comment sorry as well uh from dalian here in I, I still don't know how to pronounce your name one of these days I'm, we're going to have a telephone conversation so you can teach me and um, thanks for sharing your experiences madison i hope as a human race we can finally move forward i know she's been having a bit of a tough run and hire her by the way i've seen her experience yeah. very good so um oh sorry there's another question i was, I was just going to say we're talking about kind of two months on uh now madison let's let's fast forward to the end of kind of 2020 what's your i don't know what's your kind of hopes in terms of potential change? Um, or do you still think that not much will change in fairness? Um, well, the thing I'm really hoping for in 2020 is that they arrest the killers of Breonna Taylor. Um, for me, that would, I think, be at least a hopeful change. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think that's the thing, it goes back to accountability. Like people need to know yeah. that you, you are a policeman with guns but that doesn't mean you're not accountable for when you mm. do your job correctly. Because if I did something like that at my job, I would get fired. Um, yeah. And it doesn't take a lot to get fired in the corporate world. So why is it that you can <laughs> kill a black woman while she's sleeping and it's still like a big to do for you to get yeah. fired, to get arrested. You still have to be held accountable for your actions. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, 100%. And we were touching upon it in, in the uh, green room prior to, obviously, in the US in November um, is the, uh, is the, the well, what we call the kind of general election, right? Um, would a change in, uh, obviously, president, do you think, help with, um, you know, kind of moving forward in a, in a, in a positive direction, um, basically getting rid of Trump? Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing. Like, yeah. 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 Um, yes. The answer is yes. Um, mm. Do I also think like after this, we need to figure out how to burn the two party system to the ground? Also, yes. Like, I don't feel well represented by like old white men. That's not who I feel mm. like represents me well yeah. and like mm. my best interest. And like, even when I think about the middle class interest, like I like they don't get it. They're not mm. living the middle class life. Um, so, yes, I do think that would help. I think people feel incredibly emboldened these days. I mean, even like my partner, um, the black woman, she went to the gas station near my house and a teenager like called her the N word. And it's like, I don't know if he would have felt emboldened to do so four years ago. Um, But I do feel like there's been this like weird shift in the way people feel emboldened to be hateful and they just feel like it is now their personal right. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, I'm I'm from the north, like New England, um, and in my hometown, they opened up a Trump store, like a store of merchandise, and like people stand outside with Confederate flags, like y'all live in the north, you're in the north, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's really interesting because like, this is the first time that like a presidency has become a personality trait. Yeah, it's it's yeah, his self hatred and the narcissism, and it's just incited all of this hatred. It's extraordinary to watch. Well, yeah, I mean, to to kind of Madison's point, right, it's probably, well, it's it's been there before, but what you have now is a precedent that's kind of almost allowing people to be very open about it as if it's kind of like normal or trying to normalise it in some way, which is not. I'm not sure how familiar you are with, like, QAnon, which is, like, an online platform for, like, Nazis. Um, and they kind of got like basically deemed a terrorist group. And like he went on TV yesterday and was like, but they support me. Which yeah. is like, you have to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, it's uh, re- reading some of the news reports that are coming out of the US at the moment is generally uh, uh, scary, if I'm honest. If that was happening in the UK, I'd, 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 I would have an increased sense of kind of anxiety and nervousness. And I, I, I am empathetic, empathetic, uh, you know, I mean, what am I trying to say? I think, you know, yeah, Trump leaving um, will definitely, definitely be a step in the right direction. But as you said, I think even politics in the UK now, you look at the parties and are they representative of the people now? Are they diverse enough? Do they have, it's not even diverse enough in their their thinking, but diversity in their, their own experiences. They haven't experienced our lives or something similar to that. And I think that's that's probably one of the, the big disconnects, right? Actually, interestingly, I-, I was going to say, interestingly enough, like a big chunk of the angry men I get on my LinkedIn are from the UK. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. I, my, de- my, my, infamous right. death threat, my infamous death threat came from the UK. Really? Mm-hmm. That- the person who called me a narcissist the other day was... Uh, uh, British and 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 it, from what I could work out, like foreigner hating, boomer, blah blah blah, and it was like, yeah, there's a lot of hatred here as well. 
completely. Wow. I'm going to bring it back a bit to Sorry. companies, though. Sorry, yeah. you know, we could talk about him, and I don't want to talk about him. I feel soiled when I talk about him, um, or Boris, for that matter. But how do you feel about companies mirroring others' uh, Black Lives Matter responses to support their BAME employees with outside speakers as well? Do you have thoughts on that or...? Like sort of actually, I sort of think as well. What what's your hope? Because we're running out of time. I can't never believe how fast these go. You know, looking at that actually, because I kind of feel like I know you're saying there's no change, but I'm not seeing a lot more companies doing D and uh, I diversity and inclusion initiatives. What's your hope mm. with all of that to help them get it right? Well, maybe. So, so many diversity and, and inclusion initiatives are like the warm fuzzy conversation to like make your board feel good and make your your executive team feel good. They're not like actual hard conversations. They're like the warm yeah. and fuzzy. It's like a hug and a badge, and like that's not the case. Like we can't like wrap racism up and like make it pretty to make you feel good because that's not what it is. Yeah. Um, when it comes to outside speakers, I think it's a great idea to bring someone from outside of your organization. However everyone right now is a DEI speaker. So like do your research on who you're paying. I had a DEI speaker tell me the other day to stop being so angry. And I was like, dude, like, aren't you an expert in this? You should know that because I'm black and with opinion, it doesn't mean I'm angry. And so I think we have to be careful of like who we decide to give our money to because a lot of people right now, again, are profiting off of black trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I think we've all seen an increase in kind of companies advertising for DNI consultants and kind of head of DNI. It's, it's, it's almost like, you know, I mean, it, there just seems to be a in, massive increase in that now. So companies are really acknowledging that they may have a need for that, uh, that kind of expertise oh, in their business. Oh, oh sorry. Oh, yeah, Maybe go you for it. Your question. Sorry, she just finished it so beautifully as to where you were heading, though. Are they doing it because huh? they won't change? Or are they doing it to protect themselves from being called racist organisations? <sighs> mm. <sighs> like drop, ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. That's going to be a I great mean, way to finish the show. Bloody hell. What are your thoughts on that? That's totally my hot take. I mean, when you look at, so if you look at like some roles that have the highest turnover, it's going to be these chief diversity officers because people put them in place and don't allow them to do anything. They just sit there as a brown stock photo for like their board. And so if you don't allow this person to come in and make change, then you didn't want change. You just wanted your board to shut up. And that's yeah. not the same thing. You were just yeah, trying to yeah. cover your ass. So if someone says, so-and-so is a racist, you can be like, no, no, they went to the training. They went to that training. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. Um, they yes, they went through the training. The training won't create change. Yeah. They went through the 25 slide PowerPoint. Trainings don't make people good people. No. Firing racists is what you do. Fire your racists, fire your yeah. homophobes, fire your transphobes. Yeah. Like, keep good people. I that's it. We, not by training, via like facilitation or something that will get them to come, or coaching that will get them to come mm. up with the fact they want to change and that they want to, they are much more aware of their ways and therefore yeah. want to change. That's got to go first before training. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Go, Debbie. Bombshell. Yeah, that's great. Go, Debbie. Well done, Deb. I, yeah, because I had not thought of it that way, and you're absolutely right. And that's just, yeah. that, that just, mm. so we there kind of got a bit of, do you feel like at least the conversation's a bit more open or you really do just think we're running a pattern right now and you wish it wasn't? I think the conversation is real when you're black and when you are like a committed, a committed, committed accomplice. I'm not going to say ally. I'm going to say someone who's willing to do the work. But for most mm -hmm. of these big organizations, they don't give a shit. They just, they want to, they want to be relevant. They want to be able mm -hmm. <clears throat> to talk about the trending hashtags. They want the trending themselves. 
And they don't care about black people. They care about their brand's reputation. Mm. Mm. It's some support coming in for you. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank awesome, you. Awesome, as always, Madison. As always, to the point, I don't even know who the next week's guest is. I'm so disorganised. We'll have a fabulous guest next week. I haven't looked. Sorry, I've been so involved in the conversation. Yeah. Um, can I just thank you that that like I do message you, don't I, quite a lot on Facebook, going, where do you find the time? I mean, I've just had one of my posts go viral. It's been exhausting, and I didn't even expect it to do that. So I don't know how because every single one of your posts goes viral. You are constantly answering people, and and. Just thank you for doing that. Thank you for educating us, even though you're tired and don't want to. So, um, <laughs> ah, another comment. I still don't know who this is. Bloody LinkedIn not showing me. Um, so great as ever, Madison. I need to rewatch this as you've given us so much to think about. So I think that that's a lovely comment to close on, right? Um, mm. You know, when you're kind of you're making that kind of impact, Madison. Um, so yeah, certainly from my point of view, just keep doing what you're doing. Love it. We love you. I love London right. and the food. Like London. <laughs> I think about Dishoom a lot. I think about it a lot. Oh, yeah, Dishoom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. didn't actually love being here for Disrupt HR or to meet Glenn and I or to bring mum. It was all about the curry. Right? <laughs> it's, <laughs> great food, <laughs> it's great food, though. It's great food. Who is that? I have no idea who I guess to the next week. I feel dreadful. Um, but because of Enterprise Alumni being an amazing sponsor, we will be back at the same time next week. And of course, we will let you know. Um, I'm sure you will follow us and see our page and see who it is. Um, Madison, again, thank you so, so much for getting thank up you, that extra early and um, sharing your thoughts on this. Um, very, very important. And I think we just probably need to have you back in every few months to be able to say, right, have we yeah. got anywhere? And just keep it on the radar. <laughs> Um, that's what we, Glenn and I, want our platform to be. So thank Definitely. you. Very, very grateful. Bye, everyone. Thank we shall you. see you at the same time and next week. Oh, is Thanks it for having me. Yes, yes. One more this time. Right. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. 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 <laughs>